You're listening to the Going Offsides podcast. Your home for lacrosse news, stories, and everything in between. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Going Offsides. And this week, Ryan and I are talking about kind of, uh, they're kind of words you don't want to hear as a coach at these days, Ryan. But uh, we're going to be talking about the transfer portal. And we're going to kind of break down the situations and when we feel like the transfer portal is being put to good use and maybe when it's being taken advantage of. Because, you know, you and I are by no means the gatekeepers of the transfer portal but we do have an idea of when it's appropriate when we would recommend it to kids and and maybe when we wouldn't you know you're a college coach i'm a former college coach and a college professor so we're both in higher ed and we see this thing from both sides so first of all let's just talk about what the transfer portal is and i'll let you kind of take care of that so uh essentially well first it's great to see you again um as always it's always it's always nice to uh to to chat it up a little bit with you but um you know in terms of everything uh the transfer portal um was a great idea that was put together by the ncaa where essentially um you know in years past it was i don't want to say a little bit more difficult but students had to jump through a lot more hoops in order to kind of get their release if they were looking to transfer from one school to another um you know and and oftentimes it was young student athletes um having difficult conversations with coaches some coaches uh, and and there are the great ones out there there's more good than bad obviously um that would have an open conversation have an open dialogue and you know kids would get their release and have the ability basically what a release is it's a signed piece of paper from the athletic department saying that you're looking to explore your transfer um uh, options and that you um have the permission of the um, institution to talk to other schools. Um, without that sheet in years past, you weren't able to talk to any of the, any, any other schools you might be interested in. It would be an NCA violation for the other institution. Um, so, but with that, there were some murky waters where, you know, students would go in, they first off, many were, would feel intimidated to have that conversation. Um, and, and rather than kind of explore some maybe transfer opportunities, they would just stick it out. Um, and then also too, there, there we also have heard the horror stories over the years where coaches, you know, they block a transfer. They don't allow, um, they don't give the person's release to, to speak to other schools and things like that. Um, you know, those, those situations, um, you know, um, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. They, they, they've occurred, they've happened. Um, mm-hmm. But more so than not, uh, coaches have always kind of, uh, for the most part, done the right thing, in, in, you know, across all sports, right? Um, you know, and, and I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. It's ha- it has happened. Um, but kind of recognizing that that was an issue, the NCAA kind of came up with this idea of a transfer portal um, where um, if a student was looking to explore their transfer opportunities, uh, they would just reach out to their compliance uh, person within their athletic department, um, send them an email and, or meet them in person and say, hey, I'm, I'm looking to explore other opportunities. I would like to enter the transfer portal. Um, and then at that point, um, within a specific amount of time, the, uh, the compliance 
department um, puts you in the transfer portal, which basically what it is, is um, if many of you are familiar with kind of like recruiting, um, like an NCSA or anything like that, there's no profiles or anything like that. But basically any um, student athlete uh, that's looking to um, pursue a transfer opportunity, um, their name is put into this database, which any college coach um, in the NCAA can see. Um, whether it be division one, two or three. Um, so that's kind of the root of it, kind of the just the the quick little uh, mm -hmm. pitch on what the transfer portal has been. Um, you know, and then at that point, coaches have the ability to reach out to them. Now, if you're not in the transfer portal, the rules still apply. Coaches cannot contact you um, unless you are in the transfer portal. Right. And so let's let's break it down a little bit even further. When do we feel like it's an appropriate situation to transfer? Cause I, I have a few ideas and I'm sure you have some as well. So I, I guess I'll start and I'll just say uh, a couple of things that, that stick out to me are something that happened to me is I had no idea what I wanted to do when I got to college. I took that first year at a uh, small liberal arts college to figure it out. And when I figured it out, I realized that my school didn't offer that program. And so my motivation was admittedly a bit homesick driven because I was, you know, two and a half hours away, nothing crazy. But at the end of the day, if, if the school didn't have my major, there was really no point in staying there. And, and I didn't want to convince myself and I still wouldn't to this day convince myself to stay and change majors just to stay. So I think when it's academically driven, that's that's a huge piece where I think we both think that that's perfectly fine and understandable, uh, especially, you know, as a recruiter, you're trying to get a full roster and you want kids to come in and give everything a chance. But you also know that they might not know what they want to do in two years or a year. So I think academic academically driven transfers are acceptable. We've also seen these grad transfers, which I think are also acceptable, where you finished your four years at a school, the COVID year comes in or a redshirt year comes in and you just say, listen, it's been a great four years. I'm going to go get my master's some, somewhere else and, and basically just switch it up. Uh, are you in agreement with me on those two things? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, and, and those things do happen. Um, there are obviously opportunities like everything at the root of it, um, you know, academically driven is 110%, um, you know, a, a great reason as to why. Um, and, and your thing, you know, a, a student athletes wants and needs might change over time. You know, that's honestly, that's kind of not really what we're talking about, because I think anybody with half a brain would be like, you know what, that's a legitimate reason. And coaches can't get mad at that. Anybody can't get mad at that. Right. Um, you know, there are legitimate reasons. Well, these there. are the black and white um, answers, right? These are the yeah, ones where exactly it's right. like, these are easy. The, the coach, if he argues with you about these things, then you should have been selfish. Yeah. Yeah. He's being selfish or he just doesn't understand. Now, that being said, there are definitely some now grayer areas where we've seen people start to take a little bit more advantage of the situation. And you know what? I can't, let's talk at the highest levels, right? Let's talk about power five for a second. If you're a power five player, I do understand why you may want to switch for athletic reasons. And, and here's why the, the coaches will leave without question on a whim to chase that more prestigious job to, to get that, you know, higher paycheck. And I don't think it's unreasonable to say that 
a power five basketball player is going to do the same thing. Not, not from a financial standpoint, but they're going to try to go to a place where they can shine and where they can win. And if they feel like they're buried on a depth chart or if their coach leaves, that's not, you know, everybody can say that those guys go to school for the school, but let's be honest here. If you're a power five basketball player, sure. You might want a really great education, but you're more than likely looking ahead at a possible career in your sport. And I'm not going to knock a kid for taking advantage of those situations because the coaches aren't really held to the same standards. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I agree with you on that. Um, I, I think, you know, in terms of everything, you know, you can kind of get into some murky water with some of these things. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, in terms of everything, kind of my issue with the transfer portal, um, you know, it's creating kind of, it was already cutthroat, but, you know, it's creating an even more cutthroat situation for some of these coaches, um, you know, in terms of kind of what they're doing. And I don't want to say, you know, dark room recruiting, but, you know, some of this stuff, like there, there are some murky waters there. Um, I, I think, you know, for those students that are, you know, if you have a legitimate shot at playing a professional sport, I, I, you're in a completely different stratosphere um, as opposed to some of the everyday um, student athletes, um, you know, kind of just people that regardless of the fact, like after four years, they're going to be or, four, or five years, they're going to be going on and working for a living. Um, you know, I think it's it's a little bit different than that. Um, so, I mean, um, <clears throat> with good intentions, I mean, it's, it's a great thing. Kind of some of the issue that I have with the transfer portal is, is that, you know, if there's a situation where it's not a great environment for you academically, athletically, socially, spiritually, things like that, this is not what I'm talking about. Um, you know, if, if you're upset, and I think this is kind of what the transfer portal has bred is that if you're a freshman, you come in, you're not playing right away. You're like, I don't want to be here. I'm going to go transfer to another school where I can play right away. Um, that's kind of where I, I might take some issue where it's completely all athletically driven for students that might not necessarily be playing a professional sport once they graduate mm -hmm. um, or if they have a disagreement with the coach or, um, you know, I think, you know, I, I, it, it creates an environment where it can be very impulsive, where a student can have a, you know, have a game where they get sat or they had a bad week of practice and have no open dialogue with their coaching staff with where they're sitting um, in terms of the program. And then they just, without speaking to the coach, go to the compliance director and say, I want to go on the transfer portal. That's kind of where I, I, I kind of take issue with that. Um, you know, but also at the same time, I don't know what was said during the recruiting process. If you're promising kids playing time and things like right. that, now we're, now we're in a completely different um set of things now we're now we're deep diving into the gray area yeah and and listen i i don't mind the transfer portal being a parachute in a, in a way for a kid who's given every shot you know he's put in two years he's tried it with a coach it just didn't work out and it, it's probably best for both people if they leave I, I think it's made it a little bit more like you said in the very beginning a little bit more of an open and honest situation because the coach is going to be aware of this yeah. in the past you would just if you were scared of your coach you just sneak over to compliance and let them know that you uh you need a release form and the coach might be the last person to figure out i mean at, at my level at the nai level we we had this thing where if a player reached out to you if you responded with contact, you basically had, I think, 10 days to, to notify the other school. So you wouldn't even have to tell them 
as long yeah. as you didn't act on it. You yeah, know what well, I listen, mean? I love the NAIA, but uh, <laughs> you know, there were some things where they they kind of act acted in their own vacuum a little bit. Um, if they were reaching out to NCAA Division One uh, Division athletes, Division One, Two, or Three, they weren't even notifying schools. Some no. schools, some schools, some schools do it the great way. Other schools, and more importantly, specific coaches, they they do they they can go a different route about it. Yeah. So I think that's definitely something where it has benefited. I, I think overall it is a benefit. I, I know that some coaches, depending on which side of the thing that you're on, have loved it. So for instance, you know, big, I was just doing big 12 basketball previews and there are rosters where more than half the team is transfers from division one schools. And here's the thing. I think it does give the players a little bit more leverage with the coaches because I even heard a coach say in a press conference, because he returned his best player despite finishing, I think, ninth out of 12 teams. And he's like, it was huge for us to get him back. We had to make sure that we got him back. Now, in the past, it, it might be the assumption that you're going to have a kid for two, three, four years, depending on how good they are. And the only reason that they're leaving is typically because of leaving early for the draft when we're talking power five basketball. Now this coach basically had to recruit his own player and convince them to stay. And I think that's a powerful position for the players who don't have a ton of power still overall at that level, because now not only are you going to be wooed on the way in, you're also going to be wooed while you're there. And I think that's a powerful situation because that's not how it's always been. It used to be, I mean, even at the smaller levels, we used to joke, once they come back as juniors, they're done. Like you got them forever. Yeah. Like you don't have to worry anymore. The freshman, sophomore year at the lower D3 NAI levels, you and I, and D2 even, you and I have always known, like you got to keep working to keep these kids in school. You can't stop recruiting them. You're no longer recruiting necessarily against other coaches for these kids. You're just making sure that this kid feels like they're in a good place, that they're wanted, that everything's going well, and that it's going to continue to go well. Whereas in the past, you may have just, you know, hey, you're in, good, moving on to the next class and recruiting. Now, I, I know that's not how every coach approaches it, but I, I know you and I have seen a lot of coaches approach it that way. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, college athletics is crazy across the board. There's just it's just nutty with kind of, you know, it, it's 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 changed in the last 20 years. It'll be completely different in the next 10 years. Um, it's just it's kind of like, you know, you're seeing just how things have changed. I mean, it's become, you know, and, and I say this when we have kids on campus, you know, it's uh, 20 years ago or even 30, 40, 50 years ago, higher education used to be like, here's what it is. Take it or leave it. You know, this is what it is. You know, mm -hmm. you're here. Deal with it. Now it's it's more consumer based driven where, um, you know, some of these schools have become like country clubs and they're doing everything in their power. Um, to make sure that they have all of these extra amenities to keep kids happy, to keep kids there. Um, because like, you know, obviously the athletic piece of it is so much, but you know, you know, you and I mostly deal with lacrosse, like, you know, in, in terms of kind of like that power five thing, um, you know, when you're talking about basketball, football, it's completely different oh, yeah. um, in terms of kind of like the rest of us. And a lot of those guys, um, when a new coach comes in, 
they're bringing in their new system. So kids are transferring because that system might not benefit them and showcase them in a way where they can, you know, end up making a career out of it. Because a lot of those guys that play high level power five division one basketball, they might not make it to the NBA, but they're going to have opportunities to make a career out of playing overseas. So it's so important that they play in a system that they're showcased in. It's not like football, football, you've got the NFL and the CFL to an extent, but most of these guys, you know, it, it's if you're not making the NFL, you they got one shot. They got one shot. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I mean, I I do think that there's definitely people that abuse. Let's talk about it from a negative for a second. There's definitely people out there that have been abusing the transfer portal on the player side. And I'm not going to pick specific people, obviously, but I, I've seen an uptick recently of players that are at their third or fourth school. And I think that type of player might just not deal with adversity. Well, I Mm -hmm. doubt that they're going to four different places where it just didn't work out because they gave it their all. And so that's where I think that's the extreme. And that's not, you know, I'm not going to judge an entire system based on an extreme, right? That's, that's few and far between, but that does happen. And I think not enough kids maybe are giving it a fair shot. But I also don't blame a kid for seeing the writing on the wall and, you know, going after what they think is best for themselves. I just think overall, there should be more education around this whole thing. I do appreciate seeing kids go into the portal and then staying because maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe that's a great, you know, hey, coach, maybe the grass isn't always Maybe, maybe, hey, maybe the grass, and and I think kids are starting to see that the grass isn't always greener. You know, people water it. People, people think are like, oh my God, this place is terrible. I'm in such a crappy situation. And then they go look somewhere else and they're like, you know what? I don't really have it that bad. Yeah. And it also, when, when a coach gets notified that someone's going into the portal, maybe that's a great time for them to be like, wait a second. I thought things were better. Yeah. My bad. Let's talk about this. Let's see what we can do about this. And maybe it just starts a conversation that needed to be had. Now, one of the things that I think the transfer portal has really done, and I think it's done a really good job, and it's piggybacking off of what you just said, it's forced coaches to really assess what they're doing on a daily basis with how they interact their players, the types of meetings and 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 situations they're putting themselves in situations with their players, and really kind of focusing on the relationship aspect of that. Um, because if you look at some of the really transcendent coaches, right, um, you know, and we'll use lacrosse for an example, like, yeah, there are people that are transferring out of all these programs. Um, and yes, these really good coaches are coaching at really good institutions. But, you know, some of the more transcendent relationship driven coaches, which, you know, once you get to the highest levels, they really are uh, relationship driven. And, um, you know, you're not seeing a lot of guys transfer out of those places um, or, or really even jump into the portal, really. Um, and if they are going into the portal it's because you know whatever school they're at doesn't offer an academic program that they can get a master's degree in or they want to go do you know they want to jumpstart a, a law degree at xyz school um so i mean you're seeing quite a bit um and, and i think it's really the transfer portal has forced coaches to really kind of um, look inward and really assess what they're doing on a day-to-day basis within their program in terms of how they do things. Is it more just, you know, sport driven or is it 
you know, are you trying to create an environment where you're building transformational relationships with their players? And I think you've seen kind of a, a huge change in, in just the coaching profession in general with how things are done. I completely agree with you. There's, <laughs> there's definitely an added focus on daily communication, being open and honest. You know, it used to, a lot of coaching could have been handled behind closed doors, but now everything is so public. And yeah. so people see how you treat your players and, and how your players act. So I, I, it's all true. I, I think the transfer portal overall is, is a beneficial thing. I think that they're still working out some kinks in terms of how often do we use it, the mechanics of it. But overall, I think it's good. I also I, think that... It helps some of these, it's helped some of these newer programs really get a jump start and be relevant mm -hmm. very quickly. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to say it levels the playing field, but it certainly opens more avenues to be competitive. And, and I, I, I will say that COVID has made some of the issues with the transfer portal seem more extreme because you have so many players that have eligibility that are looking to go finish their program yeah. somewhere else, which is a temporary issue. And I think, yeah, I think it's a temporary issue. And, and you also have to see, you also have to realize too, that this is compounded with the end of, you know, they still, they're still early recruiting. Kids are doing all that stuff, mm -hmm. but you know, it's compounded. That situation with COVID is compounded with the fact that the recruiting rules changed. So a lot of those kids that were early, you know, the early part of the transfer portal were kids that committed as eighth and ninth graders that didn't really like where they were at once they got there. And then they were looking for other opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're, you're starting to see those kids kind of filter out because guess what? They're, they're getting older. Um, yeah. So yeah. It, it's, it's interesting to, it's interesting to see kind of the evolution of the transfer portal, you know, essentially it's been four years, four or five years. So um interesting to see where it goes but i think you know in theory and how it's done is it's it's a it's a really good way i mean there are you know what was it i was talking to uh one coach the other day he's like every tuesday and every third every tuesday and every uh every tuesday and every friday i check the i check the transfer portal i mean you'd be silly not to at least take a look right because yeah. you never know what's gonna come your way maybe a kid wants to come home yeah he's exactly just homesick and you just happen to be the coach that's where he's from so you never know, but exactly. that being said, there's good, there's bad. Make sure you, you know, uh, the one recommendation I think we'll both have for everybody involved is just communicate with your coach. If you're a player and if you're a uh, coach, make sure you're communicating with your players, because at the end of the day, half of this stuff happens because there's just bad communication. Oh, absolutely. I agree with you hundred percent. All right. Well, that wraps up this week. We'll see you all next week. Have a good one, buddy. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe, give us a review, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Going Offsides.